This is Big Sky Lead, a dive into the stories about how government and politics drive the direction of Montana. This podcast is from the reporters of the Montana State News Bureau in Helena, your eyes and ears on state government. It's produced by me, Tom Bridge. Our team brings you an examination of Montana's new landscape with new laws, a new governor, and a new Republican dominance across all of state government. On uh, this week's episode of Big Sky Lead, I've got Tom Kuglin and Seaborn Larson from the Montana State News Bureau with me. Um, today, uh, we're going to talk about a change at the Montana State Prison's Dairy Operation Work Program and a new program ushered in from the most recent legislative session. Seaborn, lawmakers and state officials, when talking about this program during the session, spoke about it as if the dairy program was gone for good. Uh, where does the dairy program um, stand today? So it's definitely not gone for good, uh, but absolutely it's reduced quite a bit. So the prison sold off about 270 head of their 350 dairy cows uh, back in December. And now that program is kind of scaled down to essentially sustain the prison itself and about nine other facilities run by the Department of Corrections um, across the state. Okay, so before before we get into um, what led to them having to uh, reduce the herd size and change the program, maybe um, back us up a little bit and and tell us what di- what did the program look like? Yeah, so there's about uh, thirty three inmates and five staff who run the dairy operation itself. So this is housed outside of the prison where um, inmates live in kind of a dorm style housing. Ross Wagner, he's the director of the agricultural program at Montana Correctional Enterprises. That's the um, state prisons work program. And so he said, uh, you know, this work kind of helps these guys develop, you know, skills for when they get out of the prison and um, really helps them build some self-confidence. He said, he said a lot of these guys, uh, or at least certainly some of them have never had jobs before. And so just being able to put in, you know, a good day's work and uh, kind of be proud of what you've done that day really helps these guys kind of apply that uh, work ethic once they get out of the program. The Department of Corrections also said, um, you know, the wages that prisoners do make uh, get to go towards victim restitution and um, in some cases kind of savings. So these guys have a little money in their pocket when they uh, do get a leave. You know, Tom, uh, you actually went out and uh, photographed the prison you know, how did this look to you compared to, you know, we're from Montana, any other uh, agriculture operation in the state? I mean, it, it to me, it looked similar to everything else I've been, uh, you know, tractors, rigs, um, fencing, you know, everything that goes into a normal operation. I, I can't attest to um, a little bit to the way that, you know, the presence of these um, cows and working the cows um, kind of gives uh, inmates a, a sense of purpose. I talked to one of the inmates. He was out um, uh, giving grain to one of the herds. They kind of have them broken up. And, you know, he, he said it's, it's his best part of his day. Um, he, he, he actually, after he dumped the grain, he spent a couple of minutes just kind of hanging out with the cows and just having small talk with the cows and kind of petting them on the head and stuff like that. Um, and you know, it's the first time I had been up there. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect. I knew I was going to the, the, the prison, but I, I also knew it was, uh, kind of an off campus, um, 
work program. Um, but yeah, you know, I can imagine that for these inmates, um, doing this sort of work, um, probably gives them a big sense of fulfillment. And at least that's what I witnessed while I was there. Um, why don't we get back to the catalyst here, Seaborn? Why did the dairy operation have to sell off these cows? So last year, um, during the COVID pandemic, there was a lot of uncertainty in the in the dairy market. I think globally, and uh, you know, the dairy program at the prison is, is pretty small operation by a lot of standards. Uh, you know, they certainly felt some of those um, you know market conditions as well. And so kind of in that time, Dairy Gold, uh, which I think is a, a, a brand anybody in Montana and kind of in the surrounding area would recognize from being on the shelves at any grocery store they shop at, Dairy Gold decided to end a 30-year contract with the prison uh, with Montana Correctional Enterprises. And that contract loss ended up being a $1.5 million loss for the prison work program. Dairy Gold's move was actually triggered by a major customer of its own uh, in Costco, which shifted its global prison labor policy in recent years. So, you know, in 2019, Costco had begun this um, reporting policy to its shareholders and investors that said uh, it's going to publicly announce, um, you know, any any supplies in its product line that would um, have been made with prison labor. Uh, you know, they allowed that prison labor as long as uh, there are prevailing wages. And so um, that was sort of the uh, the, the start of, of, of the end for um, Derry Gold's contract with the prison. Um, what did the state do, if anything, to try and appeal or, or salvage the, the deal that they had going on with the dairy program? So the corrections department um, at the state level did try to appeal to Costco, uh, gathering some information, showing the inmates made actually about $22.16 an hour, which isn't bad. But it also, uh, you know, that figure included room and board and healthcare and all these things to kind of add up to that wage. And so um, Costco didn't quite buy that. And Gail Butler, who runs the Montana Correctional Enterprises, said state officials also tried turning Costco's mind on this, but um, without much luck. And so Brian Gutkin, he's the director of the Montana Department of Corrections. He said that, you know, they did try to find other buyers to, to keep this program moving. Um, but they also had no luck. And so ultimately, um, it does look like, you know, it might have been too late to change Costco's mind in this. I found a statement to investors last year where Costco said it would start phasing away from the prison labor altogether, citing the reduced transparency in prison systems in general. So I had uh, some questions for the Department of Corrections just to see if, you know, anything um, that had to do with, you know, transparency or Costco's desired amount of it um, had to do with uh, their contract ending. So neither the Department of Corrections or Dairy Gold or Costco would tell me if there's anything the Montana state prison uh, had done to lead to this move away from prison labor. And so, um, you know, at this point it, it seems like it's pretty much uh, a done deal for the uh, dairy programs um, work with uh, dairy gold. Okay. So what happens now? So the prison program is uh, set to start um, raising pheasants actually after a new, um, appropriation in this last legislative session. Ross Wagner, who runs that um, dairy operation, 
at the prison. He told me this is something that is uh, they're going to have to bring up to scale. You know, there's there's goals with uh, the state that wants to raise so many pheasants at the prison, but um, right now it's this is totally new to him. He's got to learn uh, kind of how this process works. He's looking at certain buildings um, at the program's property to see if they can uh, if they can raise birds there, or if it's going to need um, some new buildings or some new equipment altogether. Things like hatching machines and incubators are definitely, um, you know, needed for this process. And uh, Ross Wagner told me it's actually been pretty hard to um, get these things together. So for right now, it's sort of a, uh, you know, build it up from nothing situation. And um, this is kind of the new mandate they have from the legislature to sort of backfill the the loss of that dairy program. Are are the administrators um, at the the program there in MCE? Do they sound optimistic about the switch to pheasants? You know, um, optimistic. I I I think they see this as something that's uh, you know needed really for the inmates to kind of. Um, keep busy out at the work program and to and to develop those skills, even if there's not um, quite the same applicability that the dairy program had. I mean, they, it was a 30-year program running, and I think people um, certainly liked uh, the applicability of it once they got out of prison. But um, Ross Wagner told me that, you know, they're looking into some sort of certification that can come along with raising birds uh, that can, you know, at least show potential employers that, uh, you know, these inmates did something while they were in there and they're not typically, um, you know, dangerous folks who end up working at this, um, at the prison program. You know, these are guys with minimal risk, uh, you know, not in any sort of like confinement or maximum security situation. There's a pretty heavy interview process. And so, um, this whole program really is at the kind of at the bottom end, not to, uh, you know, make a lot of money, but, um, to, to make sure that that work training component is there for the prison. So pheasants, uh, the beloved rainbow colored, uh, upland birds that hunters love to chase every fall. Um, and this is where I'd like to change the conversation to Tom, um, whose wheelhouse is, uh, all things outdoors, wildlife and natural resources. Tom, where did this idea of switching from uh, you know, the dairy program and, and kind of salvaging it with the pheasant program come from? Uh, so, Tom, I can tell you where I first found out about it, and that was during live testimony on um, a bill called House Bill 637, which um, has made the news for a lot of other reasons um, having to do with, with outfitter licenses and, and things like that. But um, one of the representatives from FWP was up there testifying on it and said, Hey, by the way, the prison dairy shut down and we want to give uh, uh, the department of corrections a million dollars um, to start up this program. Um, that seemed like interesting. So knowing uh, Seaborn's interest in, in department of corrections and things like that, um, we, we started talking about that and pursued the story from there. Um, I had a, a pretty good sit-down interview with Quentin Kujula. He's the, the chief of staff at FWPs, um, a longtime biologist in the department. Um, essentially, what happened was we had the change in leadership. Um, new administration means new department heads. And, and um, Quentin said this was an idea that was um, uh, essentially came from the department heads, specifically Hank Warsak, who's the new FWP director, I think, in hearing the, the prison program. 
had shut down, um, was thinking of, of different ways that FWP might offer, um, you know, something in its place. And this was the idea that came forward and ended up in the bill. So as you said, you know, we've covered HB 637 pretty extensively, not only in the paper, but on this podcast. Um, can you tell us what the debate was like for specifically on this, um, this pheasant part? Um, I, I think it was pretty interesting because it, it really sort of caught people off guard. Um, we haven't raised and released pheasants in Montana for about 40 years. So um, certainly other states do do that. Um, our, our focus has been a lot on habitat programs and, and um, access programs um, to try to improve upland bird hunting. Um, so there was, I think, uh, a bunch of sticker shock is the way I would put it um, between lawmakers um, who, who heard about this. Uh, the one that comes to mind is a uh, great fall Senator, Tom Jacobson. He's a, he's a Democrat and he was doing the rough math um, on a scratch pad during the hearing. And he said, okay, um, you want to raise 50,000 birds for um, 20 for a, uh, for a million dollars that comes out to $20 a bird. And they said, yeah. And he said, well, does, do I get sides with that? Um, it was kind of, kind of a humorous moment, but it kind of spoke to the fact that, um, the the expenditure on this is, is pretty pretty interesting and it's a little hard to pin down because you can buy pheasants from out of state or even in state that are that are quite a bit cheaper than this um but to stand up a whole prison um work program i it we're still going to be tracking this to see sort of how the expenditures break down on that um so i think there was a lot of lawmakers and a lot of interest groups who think this is a uh, poor use of hunter license dollars and um, federal dollars, which is where it's going to come from. Um, we'll have to keep tracking that and see how that plays out. Um, on the other hand, you had um, Senator Jeff Wellborn from Dillon. He's a Republican. He said, you know, um, I think this is going to be a good positive program and a good thing for um, both hunters and for um, the inmates at MSP. And Tom, I see it in the notes and and I'm I'm kind of wondering if you may touch on this, but um, in that debate, was there any conversation about, you know, the ethics of, of put and take hunting um, and how that maybe has, uh, you know, and maybe the history of that in Montana and if there was any concern over those ethics? Sure. Um, and this wasn't a, as a big a discussion as, as the money side of it. Um, there, there's a resistance though. And I think it, it, you do kind of get down to a fair chase question about um, essentially raising a domestic animal and then releasing it to be hunted. Um, the interesting thing is though, you know, you look at fishing and that certainly is not uncommon. Um, there's plenty of lakes where they release fish and you go out and catch them. But in the hunting world, especially in Montana, it's a little, that certainly is uncommon. And I would say things like certainly big game hunting, um, would be pretty, um, people would have some issues with that. If it was specifically released to be hunted, um, we do a lot of animal transplants certainly in the state, but those are usually geared towards establishing new populations or bolstering existing populations. So, um, the, the ethics part of it though, I think is, is a little bit interesting too, because we do have, um, certainly stocking programs in other states, which are geared towards hunting. Um, you have, um, private shooting preserves in Montana, which um, you can gear gear towards hunting where you release domestic birds and, and hunt them outside of normal hunting season. So 
Um, it's not exactly a cut and dry issue like it might be with big game hunting, but I think that issue is still something that the groups that are going to be doing this are going to be thinking about. Okay, so this this may be news to some of our listeners, but uh, pheasants aren't native to Montana or North America for that matter. Um, but they're an important game bird for you know um, hunters in Montana and people who just like to have birds around. Um, what's what's their history in the state? Sure, Tom. So um, they were introduced kind of in the late 1800s. Um, people like uh, Marcus Daly actually apparently introduced some. And they kind of went from there. Um, by, I guess, the ninth, early 1900s, there was some stocking going on. Um, by about 1929, though, I believe it is, um, that's when the state's um, program really took off. Uh, they opened up multiple sort of uh, pheasant farming operations around the state and really started releasing them. Um, and then over the next, um, until 1982, they released almost uh, 900,000 pheasants in Montana. Um, at that point, they decided that they had, they had done enough. They were actually doing some interesting things like um, pheasant damage control. They would go in and, and trap them, um, especially along the Yellowstone River, and then take those birds and release them elsewhere. Um, there are some private grants that, you know, if you want to try to establish pheasants in Montana, you can, and you, you can, you can get grants from the state to do that um, for the private, for private land programs. Um, but we haven't stocked, we haven't raised and stocked pheasants for hunting since 1982. Wow. Okay. So um, this is a pretty big departure from Montana's uh, current approach to pheasants. What's, what's the thinking behind it? So, uh, that's really interesting because, um, like I said, there, there's the upland game bird enhancement kind of stuff, um, which is which is kind of a- agency jargon for we're going to take some of your bird license dollars and and put it towards habitat. Um, that isn't this. What this is is um, uh, federal excise taxes and and also um, some license dollars are going to go to fund that million dollars um, under what's called the three R's of hunting. Um, that's recruitment, retention, and reactivation. Um, it's kind of a, a big national conversation about how do we sustain hunting and how do we, how do we get new hunters into the program and keep, keep them there. Um, so that's what this is. The thinking is, is that we're going to take these pheasants. We're going to release them on specifically onto wildlife management areas, state run areas, um, right ahead of the two day youth hunting season every year. Um, and then, uh, you know, the young hunters can come out and have a good hunt and have a better shot at success. Um, I think certainly there's a conversation to be had about what is hunting and it's not all about, um, you know, getting a bird or a buck or an elk. Um, but there is some evidence if you start to look at some of the breakdowns of people that look, people that study this, um, talk a lot about what early success means for hunting. And I think, um, actually going out and getting a bird, um, there's some thought there that, that that will actually lead to a, a longer interest in hunting. Um, if people, especially kids go out and, you know, they go out a bunch of times and don't ever um, actually get an animal or harvest a bird or, or anything that they tend to lose interest a little faster. And that was kind of the idea behind the youth season to begin with anyway, was really um, let's get the kids out there when there's less competition and, and let them have first crack at it. So what is FWP doing currently um, on the new program? So I think they're working with, um, both with Department of Corrections, but um, also 
you know, th this is a pretty big operation to try to actually go out and stock pheasants. Um, there has to be some coordination on it. Um, you know, I, I had a pretty good um, part of my part of my interview with Kujula was was really about the biology of pheasants and and how they do. Um, stocked pheasants, pen raised pheasants. Um, what one thing they're really good at doing is dying. Um, they don't tend to do very well through the winter. Um, I think they don't compete very well against wild birds. And, um, so, um, that's the other thing that makes this, um, a recruitment and retention tool is just that it's, it's pure put and take hunting. Um, and that's how they're looking at it. So right now they got to figure out where they're going to stock them and when, um, they want to get organizations. I think, you know, people with bird dogs and that kind of stuff, um, to coordinate these youth hunts. So, uh, that, that's kind of where they're at now. Um, it's going to be an interesting process to follow. I don't think the debate about the expenditure or if this is the direction um, hunting in Montana wants to go um, is over with by any means, but um, the law did pass. It's signed into law and this is what we're moving forward with. So uh, we'll be there to, to keep tabs on it. All right, folks. Um, that's, that's the, uh, the first episode in uh, the new season of big sky weed. Uh, if, if you were around for the first season, you heard us go through a kind of a weekly grind on what was happening at the Capitol as it played out. Uh, and this next season, we're going to start to follow some of that legislation um, as it reaches the parts of the state that it affects. Uh, and follow along if you want to uh, hear about how that legislation affects Montanans. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, Tom.